0: Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas.
1: Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas.
0: I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. And I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, what's good, my man? Apparently not
1: Calypso Project or whatever the fuck that's called, but
0: yeah, another, old, another uh, L for our boy, Josh. Old Josh Duhamel's side projects lately have not been uh, taking off with aplomb. I, I'm holding out hope for Shotgun Wedding. I've still, still got high hopes I, there. but
1: I'm going to say, like we weren't going to play it. We don't like spooky games, but if this is a bad omen for Shotgun Wedding, then... I will be truly heartbroken.
0: I, th- I think it's more he's getting the whammies out now and saving the goods for when it really matters.
1: Also, I doubt it was his performance that sucked. A lot like Jupiter Ascending. He was great. Elements around him were bad.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's more the game is broken. Yeah. And I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't want to cast aspersions. Maybe Josh has a, a second life that I don't know about, but I don't think he was doing a whole bunch of the coding for this game.
1: No, that that would have cut into our Call of Duty time.
0: <laughs> y'all, uh, y'all enjoying the new Warzone? Yeah, we're uh, we like to
1: roll DMZ together. Very fun. Ten of ten.
0: Excellent. Excellent.
1: Scratches my Tarkov itch, but you know, a little less stressful. And obviously, he's busy, so he can't put the hours into it that like Tarkov demands. So being able to drop in and drop out of uh, DMZ is is a real plus with his schedule.
0: Well, and less antibiotics necessary than a Tarkov itch, I'm sure.
1: oh, I don't don't get it. Yeah, I don't
0: know. Sounded funnier. Hey,
1: you know what else wasn't great? What's that? Season four, episode four. It's history of violence. Segue. Let's get ready to swallow. We open with Delinda and Danny returning from their vacation. I, I think this is the same one that was teased last time. It's unclear, but they've brought Jordan and Woody with them. So. They vacationed to Boston, question mark?
0: I, I recall a reference to New England for leaf changing color, seeing time. Ye old leaf peeping. Indeed. And so maybe while there, they were decided to do a little swinging or just pick up some friends on the way back. Who's to say? As always, without having seen an episode of Crossing Jordan ever, and certainly not the one that preceded this exact episode to let us know. What the fuck's going on? Uh, your guess is as good as ours, listener. Yeah, Brittany, if
1: you're still listening, uh, write in and tell us if uh was like, was the Crossing Jordan episode, Danny and Delinda at a crime scene? Like, what? Help me figure out how Jordan and he got on the jet. That's all we need to know.
0: They saw a leaf. It had just turned yellow and then it fell onto a dead body. I
1: was going to say it was a regular ass leaf, but what made it turn red was all the blood. But if, like us, you missed the crossover episode, Dr. J is going to break it down for us. The first violinist for the Boston Pops is dead. His Stradivarius, a $3 million violin, has gone missing. And the dead guy's deadbeat brother is also missing. Except not really,
0: because he's at the Montecito. Hence the crossover episode. And he's not particularly hiding. He's enjoying himself some blackjack and Ed's able to point him out to Jordan right away.
1: Like, hey, do you want to talk to the missing guy? He's at Blackjack
0: 10. Let's go chat. So we go and meet our new friend, Brad Kern, the alleged deadbeat bro who is playing with decent stacks at Blackjack and apparently is there for a audition for the Las Vegas Philharmonic, which not the Boston Pops, but. Seems a little above deadbeat violinist level.
1: I've got a little bit of trivia corner here for you. First of all, in Star Trek, Worf's brother was named Kern. So there's that. You got, you know, I mean, both brothers were presumably named Kern here, but whatever. That's all I could think about every time they mentioned his last name. And the second thing is I didn't realize really what the Boston Pops was. So I looked into it and it's basically like the fun version of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Except, like, all the principals don't play in the Pops because they're too good for that. And the Pops plays all the hits that people actually want to hear, and it's basically one of the reasons why the Boston Symphony Orchestra is solvent. is Because Because people people actually go to
0: see the Pops because it's enjoyable and fun?
1: Correct. Like, the BSO plays, you know, fucking Mozart's Ninth, whatever, and Boston Pops plays, like, Proud to be an American on the 4th of July. Like, that's kind of the thing.
0: Anyway. All right. Do, 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 do. Any, any work on the strings between the Las Vegas Philharmonic and any other Las Vegas musical menagerie?
1: Only that they play at the The, the Las Vegas Phil is is real, and they play at the Smith Center. Okay. Because how I got down this is because I was prepared fully for the Las Vegas Phil to not be a thing. And I was gonna be like, jacques Hughes. but then it turned out it was you know once you're on wikipedia you just start clicking on shit and i
0: mean everybody loves a good wiki race
1: we our family's going to las vegas over christmas and so then i was like ah should we like go see the nutcracker while we're in vegas like that seems like a christmasy thing and then i was like oh wait i'm absolutely not taking away from gambling time in the middle of
0: the day on christmas eve you may buy tickets for your family members to go see it without you to give you some blessedly free gambling time. But for some reason, I've got a hard time picturing you in Las Vegas at the Nutcracker.
1: I will buy tickets for everybody, but insist on paper tickets and then leave mine in the room. But y'all go along. I don't want you to be late and miss it.
0: No, nah, that's, that's just
1: right back uh, to the crap table. I don't,
0: I don't know about that that, that, that feels like a I, I think you need to own that there's no goddamn chance you're going up front
1: well considering that front of the podcast and mother of me listens to the obviously listens to the podcast and will be on said trip I think the cat's out of the bag
0: allegedly allegedly allegedly
1: all this is fake I actually super duper want to go see the Nutcracker <laughs> wink at any rate This guy who Jordan and Big Ed accost at the blackjack table is understandably reluctant to just show them his violin. They just approach him out of nowhere and like, hey, yo, can we see your $3 million violin? If it were me and I was not committing a crime, I would still be like, absolutely not. Who the fuck are you people? And are you trying to rob me of my $3 million
0: violin? Yeah, not a not a great pitch, especially while you're in the middle of seemingly a decent blackjack run too. like Ed, Ed does introduce himself as the president of the joint. But there's no uh, there's there's no bedside manner here to the extent that when Jordan points out the scar on his knuckle and, and the guy very understandably says, maybe later, I just got a blackjack. Let me collect my money. Ed decides to slap on a wrist lock and take him away. I'd be like, hey, whoa, guys, let's uh, let's back it up here a little bit. Right.
1: And like, yes, Ed introduces himself as the president of operations. But you want to see something cool real quick? Hey there, my name's Judson. I'm the president of operations for MGM Properties.
0: Oh, nice to meet you.
1: Can I see your three million dollars? Absolutely. Not. Do you have a fucking business card even? Like, can I get a uniform security guy to vouch for you? Like, what the fuck? This is wild to me. Like, point to a picture on a wall. We know how this ends. But like, let's assume for a moment, this guy's completely innocent rando. And two strangers have come out of nowhere to be like, yo, dog. Heard we got a really expensive violin. Can we see it? I'm calling security. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hey, dealer, can you get some security over here? These motherfuckers are trying to jack my violin. Look at these delicate ha- fingies. I can't be breaking. I can't be fighting them. I need somebody else to fight them. I don't even have my bow. His name's Brad, not Donatello.
0: But it's a tinier bow with little hair for violin. In. That's a fact, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the limo, Danny's apologizing to D for the trip. And the way she says it was great was maybe the least convincing thing off screen of all time. But I guess it was just some unenthused ADR because when we actually get the shot of them in the limo, Dee is actually very pleased and seems like they had a good time. And Danny's just sad that he didn't get to bang her on the plane and get into the Mile High Club. Delinda, of course, been there, done that, pretty unimpressed. And then we get a weird bit With the limo driver saying what I thought was Miss McCoy, where to? To I didn't pick that up. And it could be I just misheard it, but it very much sounded like Miss McCoy. And I was like, but they didn't get married. And then they both stay home. And then we do a whole awkward thing about moving in together, even though we just did an entire episode where they decided they were going to do that. Felt felt like we were backtracking.
1: And, And the big issue here is they took the Montecito jet outbound on this vacation. Why not fuck on the outbound leg? That,
0: that does seem like that would have been the easier play.
1: This just seems like one of those life lessons. Like if you have the opportunity to bang your super hot partner on an airplane, take it. Even if you know you've got, you know, you've got another oppo coming your way. Do it twice then. Yeah, you then just do it again. Twice is better than zero. That's birds ah. in the hand, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera.
0: I, I know I'm usually the one dispensing advice, but damn it if that's not fantastic advice, Johnson.
1: Like, come on, Danny. What an idiot. Speaking of idiots, Lawrence Taylor is a slot
0: junkie. I I am making it very clear that I am not referring to Lawrence Taylor as an idiot because I don't want him to kill me.
1: Let's be very clear. The odds of this coming up on that idiot's radar is pretty low. But secondly, come at me, ya bitch. Thirdly, Mr. Taylor, if you do hear this, I just want <laughs> to be clear. My disdain for you is purely because I'm a Cowboys fan and you play for the Giants fourthly when my basement literally got flooded back this summer part of what got damaged was a autographed photo of Lawrence Taylor that was given to me as a joke by a guy who's a New York Giants fan as a fuck you it pleased me greatly to throw that out with no guilt <laughs> so That's fifth it. fuck you again LT
0: I'm out I uh, again please direct all angry thoughts and murderous rages towards Judson not Eddie. Eddie has no ill will towards Lawrence Taylor and, in fact, loved his acting turn in any given Sunday.
1: Yeah, that was very good. He was very good in that. He was also very good as a New York Giant, which is why
0: I hate him. I understandable. He he did a lot of good footballing, including winning two Super Bowl rings, one of which he has on him and one of which I'm sure won't come up later is in the Montecito safety deposit boxes that we always hear so much about. Oh, we have a flag on the play, Judson. You
1: have inadvertently wandered into a Judson pet peeve. They are safe deposit boxes, not safety deposit boxes. Normally, I would not say anything, but since this whole episode, it's centered around those, I'm not sure how many of those I could handle. And as I'm saying this, I'm realizing you're not going to do it at me for the next hour I and a half. I it never.
0: I would never, especially when I could work in football jokes, because Lawrence Taylor got safeties when he sacked people. Would never do such a thing. Judson. I'll remind you that your
1: fucking man crush here got his sack record in some very suspicious circumstances.
0: Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. You're thinking Michael Strahan. No, you're thinking Michael Strahan.
1: Look, shitty New York Giants players that were actually very good but ruined my childhood... They're all the same. At any rate, Mr. Taylor explains to Sam that he's not actually a slot junkie. He's here because he's superstitious, which, as we've established, superstition around gambling is really my only but certainly favorite form of superstition. And he's like, look, I don't give a shit. that These are fucking soul sucking money losers. Last time I was here, I was wearing these socks. I was playing this machine for 10 minutes that went and won 17 grain of craps. So I'm trying it
0: again. You cannot argue with the math. Lawrence Taylor is correct.
1: And if he wants to fight me, I would just ask that we have our argument by a slot machine that he then plays for 10 minutes wearing those socks, and then we can make up over a craft table run that hopefully will be stupendous. So LT, if you want to fight me, let's do it in Vegas.
0: <laughs> also please leave your chainsaw at home.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um that's also I think having it in the casino really limits.
0: The number of weapons he's going to bring to the fight. Bring to the fight, yes. But there's a lot of environmental hazards there.
1: I'll I'll roll the dice for an epic dice run. That that was an an accidental pun that fucked up my point. It wasn't even on purpose.
0: I see. I couldn't tell if you did it on purpose or not. No. God damn it. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) We're off to a great start here before we even get out of the cold open. (sighs) Emphasis on cold. But we're not out of the cold open yet because Ed and Woody are now taking Brad to the back and Brad's trying to figure out what happened to the pretty lady cop. Why does he have a shitty O'Connell on his arm and this time not Mary? And he doesn't really know what the fuck this has to do with a violin. When Woody notes, well, it is your brother's, right? And it's worth a lot of money, right? Brad says, yeah, sure. But it's all locked up in the safe deposit box. Look, we're going to go see it And one tiny problem. I I have not seen many Vegas casino safe deposit vaults, but I don't think they're supposed to have giant tunnel holes dug into the floors. Judson, as, as more of our resident expert, is that something you see a lot? Yeah, so I mean, normally not that large, but
1: as a as a customer service, typically banks and casinos will provide like a trash receptacle so their clients can dispose of anything that they don't need, and I think they just took it to an illogical extreme.
0: Mm. Simple okay. mistakes. That, that makes sense. And, I, and while we're making mistakes, somebody could break into all of the boxes and take all the really expensive stuff, including the $3 million violin, and throw it down the trash receptacle? Yeah, that is, that is an oversight. Mm. Well, I guess it explains why Ed is so mad going into the intro. And we did it. We're out of the cold open.
1: <laughs> Danny and Delinda are hanging out in their newly shared home. And it appears that Danny spent a lot of time considering what he needs to do about the shitting problem, but no time at all considering what he's going to do about the fact that Delinda presumably has possessions that she's going to want to bring into their new shared home.
0: Whoops. It seems like that would have been higher up on the uh, priority of concern list or, you know, on it.
1: Yeah. Like somewhere, some consideration that, you know, hey, I'm probably not going to get to have a... Bark-a-lounger in front of my big screen television in the middle of the fucking room like a bachelor when I'm no longer a bachelor.
0: It, the, the price we must pay sometimes.
1: And he's going to pay that price because he responds to a call from Ed on his cell about the robbery and scurries off to the casino, leaving Delinda by herself, I in that fucking recliner.
0: When clues in a story hint at future events. Back in the vault. Mike, Ed and Mary, for some reason, are looking around and we get mentioned that there are no cameras because you don't want cameras in the safe deposit box vault for guest privacy. If they're looking at, you know, special lore or or the real weird porn that they keep locked up in a safe deposit box.
1: How weird Ed printed does your porn have to be that you keep it locked up in a safe deposit box when you're not beaten off to it? Real weird. It's got to be illegal porn, right? I like that's I, the only. I guess
0: I yeah. I don't know. It. I mean, printed porn is is such a relic of times long ago that I can't really fathom that at all. But this is. Yeah, it's, it's something something bad.
1: Also, like if you. I, oh, it's probably like that old, uh, like 70s giant bush porn. But that's what it is. <laughs> but look, we talk about the trash receptacle in the middle of the room. If you want to provide that level of customer service, you have like a viewing booth for the safe deposit boxes, but you for sure as shit keep cameras on the boxes themselves when they're all fucking screwed into a wall.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to go ahead and drop the advice early on in the episode, and that was going to be idea number one. Idea number two. okay, you really don't want to have cameras in there just whenever somebody leaves or, you know, once an hour, maybe just have somebody go take a look around. Make sure there aren't, you know, gigantic fucking tunnels dug into your vault. You idiots. And they talk about the fact that they had like ground
1: motion sensors and sound and subterranean wiring and all that, which ended up getting chewed away by a fucking rat. But that explains the subterranean wiring, not like the motion sensors or the sound. Like at some point they came up in the middle of a fucking concrete floor. That's loud.
0: Yeah, this this was not the Ocean's Eleven heist where they had to stage multiple explosions and distractions and citywide tunneling to mask what they were doing. Somebody probably should have heard a little jingle jangle going on in the back room when all this shit was happening. And by the way, lost in the rest
1: of the episode, so let's go and talk about it now. Their plan seemingly only worked because
0: the rat got to the wiring. Yeah, they got lucky. They had no idea about the wiring. They just got lucky on that one. Fucking rodents. (laughs) Ed, as one would expect by now, does not want the cops involved. Because for him, this was worse than getting your cash robbed at the casino. You're having people getting their personal valuables be stolen, and that's the worst PR possible. We got to figure this out. Mike is aghast, thinking, what, so you just want us, on our own, to solve this before we open tomorrow note they're always open so that there's not really a closing time but i i thought like maybe like the
1: safe deposit boxes are only accessible for uh, like 12 okay. hours a day like 10 to 10
0: okay that you know what withdrawn i'll give i'll give him that one but either way ed's like hey finally you fucking figured it out dummy go to work
1: and now that i'm thinking about it i wonder how much of the closing time for the safe deposit boxes is because it like 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning when the clubs let out. They don't want drunk dudes taking hookers back to the safe deposit boxes to show off all their cool shit and having them get robbed. And then the next morning be like, what the fuck? Big like, uh, well. Well,
0: Mr. Frederick, you did
1: bring four ladies of the night back. What did you think was going to
0: happen? Here's you. Here's you signing in. Here's you fingerprinting in. <laughs> here's you doing your passcode like this is all in you, bud. We told you it was a bad idea, but you said, no, 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 this one really likes me this time. If you look at number three on the security footage before you went in, she's rubbing her
1: hands and cackling like a cartoon villain. That was probably your first sign,
0: sir. If not fifth. But alas, we can't help you. Have a good day.
1: Good day, sir! Sam is giving Danny shit about the theft and also noting that he and Delinda seem to use strawberry lube in their sex life, which... Why didn't the Why First of all, never mind. I guess the less said the better. But like (laughs) if I tasted strawberry on somebody's finger, I would think like strawberry jelly before I thought strawberry lube. But I digress.
0: I mean, to be fair, you and Sam have very different outlooks on many things.
1: Yeah, because I'm like two feet taller than her. Hey, oh. But Danny turns around and he's like, hey, uh, by the way, Woody's on the premises. On the premises, on the premises. And he's pissed off that you stood him up for the wedding and Sam's like talking tough like fuck that I didn't stand up shit there wasn't even a oh shit there's Woody and ducks off frame <sighs> I don't like this childish shit when Sam does this like once a season ducking and covering from former men in her life like I just don't feel like it's very on brand for her I don't like it
0: no the, the tough talking like yeah fuck him I didn't do shit wrong Seemed much more on her level. So the weird cartoon serpentining throughout the casino, it, it wasn't great. The like when it was Casey, I get it, hundred percent. But this one still married.
1: Now he's your boss's boss. He's gonna make your life hell. But cowboy. on. And also, are you telling me that at some point Queen of the PDA didn't fire off a text or an email to Woody because you know he was blowing her up about it? Oh yeah. Hey, sorry, Hooker died in Hawaii head to jet, BTW, comma, was no wedding, period, give your balls a tug, dash S.
0: Or, as of course we mentioned at the time, just bring him to Hawaii with you and do the aforementioned plane sex on the private jet.
1: And it probably would have been helpful to have a cop admittedly out of his jurisdiction at the whole criming thing. Uh, I mean, a hell of a lot better than the casino host out of her jurisdiction. (laughs) Or the fucking... 14 years to finish
0: law school surfer lawyer <laughs> hey he got the job done Kinda. kind of <laughs> but sam before turning into a cartoon varmint does mention by the way things that got stolen include lawrence taylor's super bowl ring so you know maybe figure that out so that he doesn't kill you
1: good i'm glad it was stolen i wish they
0: both were Again, please, bitch. Again, please direct all anger towards Judson, not Eddie. Eddie has no beef with Lawrence Taylor, thinks he was a cool football dude. Eddie's wrong.
1: Danny reports to Big office only to find out that he's been tasked with the murder investigation and not the robbery, which Ed and Michael take care of. And Danny's pissed about that, which I I kind of get, but also kind of not, because it's not like he's being benched for, like, I don't know, take care of a dumb lost rat. It's like, Hey, we have a we have two major felonies going on. You take one, I'm gonna take the other.
0: And when you're stack ranking crime fighting to be involved with, typically you would think murder tops robbery. I mean,
1: everything I've seen and read in television shows and mystery books would support that.
0: <laughs> I I guess because it's an outside case, Danny's not as interested, but he he does seem very offended that he is getting sloughed off to help the Boston PD.
1: Also not for nothing, but and I think maybe he was just, you know, peacocking a little bit for Delinda back at his place. But when he was like, oh, you know, I I could get in some serious trouble. This happened to my watch. You can't get in trouble if you're not on the case, bud. Excellent point. <laughs> if 1001 rolls around and they haven't found the goods, LT's not going to punch Danny in the face. He's gonna be like, yo, I was fucking working on a murder. You see that old dude? That's the guy you want to punch in the face. He was on the robbery.
0: I was on homicide. I've got a violin case to look for. Bye. Go cowboys. And then run away. (laughs) (laughs) But as you alluded to, Mike foolishly mentions that the subsurface wires didn't get cut. They got gnawed. And he thinks that the world famous Lulu was involved. Nobody knows who the fuck Lulu is. So Mike tells the story of some guest brought a pet rat that they then lost, who's just been rolling around the casino for seemingly months? What?
1: Absolutely nuts. That this fucking thing would still be in the hotel, but not dead or spotted? Yeah.
0: What? Like, this, this could have been a very fun, like, leave some breadcrumbs in random episodes, either literally or figuratively, Of people freaking out about seeing a rat or thinking they saw a rat or a rat chews through a cash register wire and the cash register broke at the bar. Oh, no. But as a one off, it was just like me. Make just say that it happened last weekend and I'll give it to you. Don't say it's been roaming the casino for months.
1: Yes. We got a report on Tuesday that a whale lost their prized world famous rat. We've been looking for it since at any rate. The important thing here is Danny is on the homicide, Ed's on the robbery, and he's going to chase down their only lead right now, which is anyone involved in the remodel that would have known about the safe deposit box facilities and Mike's on rat duty. By the way, in case you were wondering why in our transition to the episode, I said that this episode was also kind of meh. It's Mike and the rat storyline. It sucks out loud. It's horrible. I hate everything
0: about it. I was wondering what was really getting your goat about the episode in the segue, but that, that feels like a pretty easy guess. Woody and the
1: doc later joined by Danny start putting the screws to the dead guy's brother. And he's apparently genuinely distraught that his brother's dead, but isn't able to provide any evidence that he has the violin legally, which is exactly what would be the case. If you borrowed something from your brother, it would be very weird if for example, he had a, notarized letter from his brother being like, Brad is allowed to borrow my $3 million violin attested in front of this n- notary public in Boston 3 November, 2016.
0: I mean, you are correct. But but it being a $3 million violin, I could see there maybe being a paper trail involved of, because you don't want to be on the plane and go through TSA and they're like, what the fuck is this? And you happen to get the one music history major who went to TSA goes, that's a goddamn Stradivarius. What the hell are you doing with that?
1: No, no. I see, it, it's not a problem because uh, the Stradivarius is not a liquid. So to- <laughs> TSA does not care.
0: It's fine. It, it may be over 12 ounces, but you're fine.
1: Yeah. You cannot spread a Stradivarius. Therefore, you're OK to have it.
0: Yeah, It depends on how well you smash it up.
1: Yeah, anything spreads if you try hard enough. Am I right, Delinda's legs? Hey, Hey yo! So, for the most part, Brad seems to be somewhat in the clear, but he is foolishly willing to talk to extra-jurisdictional police and hotel security on hotel security property without an attorney present, which is how he ends up offering his DNA
0: and volunteering to take a polygraph. You fucking moron. Yeah, my my guy has not heard the lessons about shut the fuck up Friday, apparently. But I guess he is so convinced of his innocence, he is willing to do anything and everything, including give them ideas for things to test him on, which I'm not a criminal defense lawyer, but kids don't fucking do that. And if detained, what do you say? I invoke the fifth. And then what do you do? You shut the fuck up. Sorry to
1: harp on these details that obviously don't matter, but like, Where's Las Vegas Metro in any of
0: this? It does seem like, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the problem is Jordan only had Detective Perez's number. Pérez! So she wasn't really sure who to interface with on uh, interagency battles of jurisdiction. And
1: now that Danny's fucking Delinda can't go back to Lady Cop. So they're all persona non grata
0: in Metro. Yeah. Also, the last time Jordan was here, I think she and Danny were supposed to be about to fuck, and that's just completely off the board now.
1: Oh yeah, the fucking, uh, like, uh, bet your wife, go film some porn in the back room. Yeah. Okay. They were, they were like real excited. Yeah, that was, that's something. Anyway, speaking of idiots, Ed's getting ready to drop from the safe deposit box room into the sewer by himself, which is like. Baseline, 10 units of dumb.
0: He's got his tactical khakis and polo on. He's ready to go.
1: Yeah, we've got we've got business casual Ed ready to crawl through a fucking tunnel. And then Delinda shows up in fucking Dude Ranch Barbie attire, minus the hat. And she's like, oh, Danny told me you're going to do this. I'm going with you. And just hops down the hole first. <laughs>
0: The uh, you know, we talk about sort of the base level of competence that we get in some of these episodes. We're dipping real low here on this one. We need
1: surprisingly competent Shannon or whatever it was ASAP.
0: Yeah. God, whatever happened. She I I think we can retroactively state that, yes, she was definitely a spy. And we were correct because she got the fuck out of Dodge after all the fed stuff went away.
1: Someone needs to be like, hey, we're still like running a casino, right? Cause like our top, our top three people in the security surveillance org chart are are fucking off. So it's a good it's a good day good? to be
0: running a pass post. Is all I know.
1: Well, you've got uh, what's his name from the Bronco Burger
0: now. Oh so yeah, Sc- Scully's in town. He's ready to rock.
1: Yes. Yeah, Sc- Scully will knock you on your fucking ass. If you try that shit with him.
0: <laughs> if not him, Scully from the '60s will. There you go. Come out of commercial, and Jordan is talking to somebody about a DNA test she says a name Bostonian that, Perez yeah presumably if we have ever seen an episode of Crossing Jordan we would know who that was when Mike is gonna come up and since Danny's no longer gonna try to awkwardly flirt with Jordan I guess Mike's just gonna slide on in and we get a whole weird bit where Mary's walking by and Mike snaps at her to get her attention and get her to, like yeah not like finger snaps. Yo, not, bitch! Not damn which it, Mary. would have been appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just the old finger snap, heel toe, Mary, and uh, gets Jordan a room, to which Mary seems, I guess, fine with doing all that stuff. But it's like, bitch, did you just snap at me? And also, like, the boutiques are closed,
1: so you can't buy an all new wardrobe, but Mary will have someone come up and launder
0: and pressure clothes for you? Like, she wasn't in the sewer tunnels. She just got off a plane, bud. A a private jet. She didn't take the fucking Southwest here.
1: (laughs) Like, look, you got that fucking middle seat gunk on you. I get it. You do whatever you got to do. Sure. But like, on the Montecito jet, Danny and Dunlinda apparently were not fucking. So should have been a a fairly clean environment.
0: I don't know what the big deal is. All, All very strange. And Mike playing with fire after finally getting past... Mary's, you know, inexplicable ire last episode. I, I'd have maybe not gone as far as he did, but apparently the only problem this is going to lead to for anybody is Mary's going to add snapping to her stand-up routine. Snap, snap, snap,
1: She's absolutely calling Adam Mcrola like three times a week to bounce ideas off him. Right?
0: Oh, there's no doubt. Just like a text that goes for, you need like 12 full thumb scrolls to get through one text. This
1: was the era where your texts were limited to 140 characters. So he sees like the like one of 12 at the bottom of that text. He's like, God
0: damn it. She's not. She's not hot enough for this. Find a new girl, Adam.
1: Setting aside the comedic material. In the moment when you saw this and Mary's walking off talking to herself, did you think she was actually going to get Jordan the room, or was that going to get lost
0: in the snap, snap, snapping, snap dragon? Snapperino. Snapperama. No, it didn't seem good for Jordan. Like It seemed like Mary was off in a world of her own, It combined with being insulted by the snapping in the first place. But at the same time, good Mary doing her job. I would have
1: bet money that we would have seen a scene here in a minute with Jordan waiting at the check-in desk asking for a room. <laughs>
0: I, I would have really enjoyed that. That would have been a very funny bit.
1: Ed and Delinda are enjoying a father-daughter moment, crawling through a relatively massive tunnel that leads from underneath the hotel to the sewer when Delinda finally gets to the heart of why she's accompanying her father on this journey. It's not for safety or whatever nonsense she tried to pretend it was. She just figured that this would be a good opportunity to tell Ed that she and Danny are moving in together. Firstly... Ed throws her for a huge curve when he's like, hey, this is great news. Compliments her, compliments Danny, avoids any speechifying that she thought was coming her way. But come on, can you think of a worse place to have a conversation that you think is going to go
0: sideways than in a tunnel? I, that's what I couldn't figure out. You think this is going to go bad. Why would you go to an already horrible situation, in a physically and emotionally uncomfortable place where you are literally... Trapped and have nowhere to go, but the way that you came in, just a horrific strat here by D. Especially when you consider that where they work is
1: the prototypical ideal. You do the shit in the middle of a casino floor
0: where big ed cannot make a scene. It's it's real loud. If if you hear something you don't like, you just pretend you didn't hear it from them and say, okay, thanks. Love you, daddy. Bye.
1: Yeah. You do this shit within earshot or at least within screenshot of the high limit pit. So if it looks like his veins popping out, you're like, whales right over there. Oh, did that
0: guy just steal a chip? You should go. You should go talk to him. Bye. Was that was that a past post? I think it was. We already know Delinda knows it better than anybody in the rest of the security office. Right? Yeah. Not a not a good plan here by D. But like you said, Ed couldn't have been happier. He seemed genuinely thrilled at the prospect.
1: Which I was surprised by. And as was Delinda.
0: I Yeah. I, I think anyone would have had her shock in this situation.
1: Though I guess if he's just a few months removed from Delinda marrying a dude who he didn't really have a relationship with and moving halfway across the planet, he's like, sure. Shack up in a luxury condo within eyesight of my mansion. Great.
0: When I also know that your cohabitator will be under my watch 18 hours a day, seven days a week, because OSHA does not exactly apply to the casinos, apparently.
1: You're doing exactly what I want
0: you to do. This is perfect. Well, much like Ed's personal growth and understanding, we see that Mike has really gotten over his claustrophobia issues as he is crawling through the vents looking for a fucking rat.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to see that whatever steps he was taking and working on, that you mentioned previously, have been working and paying off. That's great. That's the last nice thing I can say about Mike, though. (laughs) Because he finds this fucking rat chewing on a perfectly detached section of wire in the hvac duct which does not have wire so this is the rat fucking packed a lunch i guess i don't know
0: yeah the rat found the wire that he liked that happened to be the subsurface wiring right under the safe deposit boxes and just brings it with them wherever they need a snack oh hey i get carry on this wire that's as big as
1: i am just you know to have but mike's thought ahead he's like hey I'm going to encounter this fucking rat. I'm going to need something to, uh, to lure him my way. So I'll bring some triple cream brie cheese, set it out for him. And my first thought was that, she, that she's poisoned. Great job, Mike. My second thought was, oh, the saran wrap is sticky. So he's like physically stuck now. Good job, Mike. My third thought was, all right, he's picking up the, the rat. Surely he's got something to put him in. No, he gets bit by the fucking rat and the rat scurries off. Fuck you, Mike. You're an idiot. You're a goddamn embarrassment to MIT. You're an embarrassment to this show. Fuck you. You're worse than LT. I'm out.
0: But besides that, Mr. Clark, how was the rest of the play? Goddamn. I wish I had been assassinated. Jesus. Yeah, Mike. I mean, the plan worked mostly until he decided to start making lovey-dovey noises at the rat, who understandably got freaked out because Mike is a creeper, and bit Mike to run away. The
1: rat had seen the wet t shirt contest, and Mike's reaction was like, uh uh-uh, uh, you don't get to touch me with those hands. I don't like where this is going.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Like, Mike is the dog that catches the car. Now what? He literally
0: has not thought this through at all. The first step of the plan was great. He had profit sitting there waiting, just never did figure out the question marks in step two.
1: God damn it. Like, a fucking shoebox? A bag? Go to the bar and get a crown oil know. bag. You're good to go. <laughs> or a fucking mallet that used to break up ice and kill that fucking rat.
0: Just uh not not superb work by Mr. Cannon in this instance. Instead of spending so much time on the
1: triple creamed brie, why don't you go with a fucking craft single and an actual plan,
0: you stupid fuck? God damn. Look what you made me do, Mike. <laughs> Well, the good news is he's not the only one being incompetent right now as Woody and Danny have Brad in the back and Woody's too busy ogling the Vegas lie detector to be of any use. And finally, once he does start the polygraph, he and Danny are just going to snipe at each other like idiots while Brad's like, yo, look, no one's Am I being detained? Can I go, please? I've still got three to two out there on a blackjack table waiting for me to pick up. Like, can we move it along? And like... Why are they all of a sudden beefing? That was so unclear to me. Yeah, we're on like the fifth crossover. You shouldn't still be trying to have a pissing contest about whose gig this is. And you let him hitch a
1: ride back on the Montecito
0: jet. Like I You you've established don't a good working it. relationship. Yeah, it it wasn't great.
1: And also Woody has no idea how polygraphs work because he asked no control questions and he doesn't give a shit what Brad's saying. He's just pissed there they're not yes or no questions. Because Brad's filling in the details, answering yes or no, then explaining. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm a detective who
0: famously don't, I don't need details. Just a yes or no will suffice. I would prefer you not give me more information than the very basic question that I asked and are doing my job for me. Please stop doing that.
1: God damn. But anyway, it seems Brad didn't steal the Strad didn't kill his brother, had no idea the guy was about to be keel, killed. So, so far so good for Brad. Achievement unlocked: Passed a polygraph.
0: Hooray, Brad. While Woody's calling the interrogation, Mary turns out did actually do her job and went up to go check and see how Jordan's doing in her lovely comp suite. Says, so "Enjoy the mini bar, your clothes are on the way up. Have yourself a time." Jordan's got a question for Mary, but before Jordan can ask it, Mary says, oh, is it about Mike? Mike was asking about you. Mike and Jordan sitting in tree. Okay, shut the fuck up. Just put Mike's
1: shit out on blast. And I think it would have pissed me off more if I wasn't so mad at Mike by this point. Because what the fuck, Mary? She could have been like, can someone bring some ice because I'm in a bathrobe? A lot, lot of ways it could have like, been. Do, do you know how I could turn on the television?
0: I can't find the remote. Two mary's very very limited credit she is at least talking mike way up trying to really sell him as this great guy as he is prat falling out of a fucking ac vent on another floor and
1: apparently this was where jordan's line of inquiry was going like mary did read it correctly so like outcome great but i'm famously a process oriented grader bad process
0: um, I I am arguing it was not a good read. This was a broken clock twice-a day situation.
1: Either way, fuck all of this over. So <laughs> Following the allegedly successful paragraph, Danny takes Brad to the bar for a beer. Because, you know, that's what you do when you fucking wrist lock a guy away from his heater, backroom him, DNA swab him, polygraph him, tell him his brother died, accused him of said murder.
0: And then when he didn't do it, you're like, all right, let's grab let's grab a brewski. It makes 100 percent sense that Danny would do this like that. That
1: this is not a knock on the writer's room. This is a knock on Danny. Uh, See, it tracks completely with Danny.
0: What I'm trying to figure out is if you're Brad, why are you not like, yo, I'll take the beer, but then get the fuck away from me. Can I just have my chips and go, please? I don't want to be here anymore.
1: Not only will I not take the beer. But you're gonna hear from my attorney, because right now the facts are I trusted you with my violin and it got stolen. You accosted me and wrenched me away from Blackjack Table under threat of physical violence, separating me from my real property. You illegally detained me. An extra-jurisdictional cop interrogated me. I willfully submitted to a DNA test and polygraph, which vindicated me. Y'all are fucked. Like, where's the where's that Kathy lady? I'm gonna get paid. You're not gonna get away with comping my room and a few beers and a fucking loner violin are you high danny
0: also my brother just he is taking all this well in stride
1: like hey you know those residential suites that are haunted i want one you know what i want two and i'm gonna sell one because fuck you that's why <laughs> what's your name Fuck
0: you that's my name as we continue with people i guess being successful, I guess. V <laughs> and Ed get to the sewer where they find an empty duffel bag and what looks like a painter's mask that just happens to have a hair attached to it. Hooray, our sewer trip is done.
1: And when they find the discarded duffel bag, Dolan deposits that they're like Mulder and Scully of X Files fame. And it's played for the laugh of Ed not getting the reference. But this is nothing at all like the X Files. Uh, there, there is a
0: male and a female. Is about it,
1: but like that was about the supernatural and extraterrestrial shit, not you know a garden variety crime.
0: Yeah, it it was a bad reference. I actually went back. I, I did an IMDb check to see if James Con had inexplicably done an X Files episode where he was in a sewer, oh, hoping that like, oh, are we are we breaking the MCU again? But uh, no, nah, I got. I came up with nothing,
1: man. If if somehow we got Californication by way of X Files rolled into the MCU, <laughs> that'd be outstanding, right? You are motherfucker. Coming out of the break, a disgusting Dolinda drops by Danny's desk to deliver the news that Daddy has deigned to declare their developing domestic deal to be
0: delightful. That was impressive. That was a strong XP chain there.
1: So much so that he's given Delinda a couple of days off to move in, which correctly terrifies a stuck-at-work Danny as he realizes he won't recognize this place when he gets
0: home. It's it's slowly dawning on Danny that the dalliances Delinda may have inside their domicile could lead to disastrous decline of his design destination for his dairy <laughs> heir There it is. I got you, dog. Because I appreciate the allium.
1: I could see the pause. I didn't want you
0: to lose that combo. It was, it was, we were building up a strong combo meter. Yeah, Danny, Danny realizes he's fucked up. It's it's about to get ugly in his place in a way that he will not recognize. Bye, Felicia. But you know what? He realizes he's already lost. And so he takes the high road and says, you know what, honey? I trust you. That's what relationships are about. I, I think he knew he was defeated and and tried to, carve himself out a silver lining and get some points on the back end. But yeah, it's not going to
1: go well for our kid. He, he wanted the moral victory, and he played for that. Once he realized he couldn't have the actual victory.
0: And, and I think he did it with aplomb.
1: But I'll say this, Danny, winner's cover. And he did not cover the spread <laughs> on this one. No,
0: My dude's going down by three scores here.
1: Jordan does some very basic analysis on the recovered hair and tells Ed that it's definitely a human, probably a woman who dyes her hair, But if you need to know more by 10 a.m., that's all I can do. I'll name drop you at a lab I know here in town and we'll see.
0: Eh, Okay. I don't know. Great. (laughs) Fantastic sciencing. Good work, Doctor.
1: And other than it being a human, which, you know, was a decent guess given that it was stuck to a painter's mask. The thing about being a woman even adds like, nah, maybe not. I know plenty of men that dye their hair. So what did he get out of it?
0: It Absolutely nothing. Absolutely. Again, y'all.
1: Literally so far, every time there's been a lead, the electrician and the wiring. Eh, no, nope, that's not it. Human hair. Can we identify it? No, nope, we sure can't. It's probably a woman, but might be a man. It's it's for sure either a woman or not. It's one of the
0: one of those. I mean, but with with that kind of narrowing down, I don't know what more he could want. Uh, anything, literally anything at all. The name-dropping Ed
1: at the lab that she knows, like, do they not like you at the lab? Like, if you know them, why aren't
0: you enough to get the job done? Yeah, if, if they know you, the medical examiner from Boston in Las Vegas at the lab, you, you should be good to go, right? So, I confess
1: that name-dropping Ed is probably going to trump any other acquaintance that she may have had.
0: True, true.
1: Unless she's, like, actively blowing the dude, Ed is probably the better connection. And even then... Still, maybe. I, you want Big Ed to owe you a favor more than you want a blowjob from Dr. J.
0: <laughs> One will certainly get you farther. We go back to, man, there are, there are a lot of landmines in this episode, huh? Sam is sneaking around the casino, sees Woody from a distance and thinks, haha, I know where he is, but he doesn't know where I am, except he's right behind me, isn't he? Womp womp. And we get a whole bit where Woody says, "Yeah, I'm still mad," and and Dan, you're gonna you're gonna take a lie detector test, ha! And so we have Woody still not understanding how the lie detector works, trying to ask Sam if there's somebody else, to which Sam says no, calls out his bullshit, says maybe he's fucking Jordan instead, and also let's get down to it, you just wanted to play with this because you're broke ass. Police Department in Boston noted not willing to fully armorize their police. Boston (laughs) probably doesn't have a cool polygraph like this, which was apparently the actual correct read.
1: Yeah, but I want to drill down on something here. Let's when Sam is asking Woody about whether he and Jordan are hooking up, he compares or she, she compares them to peanut butter and jelly, beer and tequila. And porn, and then she gets interrupted. What do we think, Sam, is the rest of that two great tastes that taste great together?
0: Porn and... For Sam, God only knows. That girl, that girl Church? freaky. Like, porn in a cemetery? Yeah, uh, a, a hearty, spanky... Strawberry lube? Strawberry. We're we about to get a, a callback? We could be getting a callback to the strawberry lube. Uh, with, with Samantha, God only knows, man. I just I've, God, I wanna know. Did you think the
1: writers' room had to know where that joke was going? And then obviously standards was gonna get involved and be like, no,
0: no, no, you can't say that. They they tried six different jokes, all of which got sent back, and finally the notes were like, just cut her off.
1: But hey, uncut, uncensored, give me some
0: ADR. Let me hear the rest of that joke. We uh we'll we'll have to see the blooper reel for the season. Maybe it's in there. Fingers crossed.
1: Danny and Ed are up in security using the cameras to witness Mike making an absolute ass out of himself with a parabolic mic, trying to find the mouse as it literally scurries right behind him. And Ed asked the question we've been, you and I have been asking all along. Do we actually have any proof that Mike to MIT? Follow-up question. Are we sure MIT is a good school? <laughs> like, have they been trading on this reputation for too long?
0: I, I very much enjoyed this little bit between Ed and Danny just being like, look, this is supposed to be our smartest motherfucker here, and this is what we've got? Where where did we go so wrong? Holy
1: shit. I mean, let's just put this out here. MIT had all of its graduate students in math get clowned by a fucking janitor, and then, a few years later, they turn out this product. I'm thinking maybe the sheen's come off the MIT
0: brand a little bit. Pop culture has not been kind to MIT, that's for sure. And
1: I say, good. (laughs) I bet, I bet Lawrence Taylor went to MIT. That bitch.
0: I am pretty sure Lawrence Taylor did not go to MIT.
1: At any rate, Danny claims to have the murder thing all wrapped. So he's like, "Hey Ed, need help with the robbery?" He's like, "Yeah, uh, this fucking tunnel that had to have been dug somehow. Let's check the construction companies around town and see if they got any equipment missing." And uh, fuck it, there's this major fence in town. Let's let's go see him. Let's see about that. Oh. And before I forget, um, that whole you and my daughter shacking up, not as cool as I let her believe I was.
0: Yeah, Danny did not get nearly the uh, joyous reception that Delinda did. Or was this the bluff? Mm, I, I think this might have been the bluff because Danny did not. Danny was somewhat sheepish when asked the question and didn't, you know, I, there's been a lot going on. Hadn't had a lot of FaceTime with Ed today. But especially since he knows Delinda told him, it seems like this conversation after they just had all this fun making fun of Mike would have been a good time to say, hey, by the way, on our way back, we came to a decision. Delinda's going to move in with me. Hope that's cool. Not necessarily asking permission, but you should probably be the one telling Ed that, not Ed asking you about it.
1: Yeah, he, he needed to come right with it, especially given his past track record with Delinda. And
0: women around Ed,
1: and hot women in his luxury condo. A lot of strikes
0: out there on Danny Boy. <laughs> also, this seemed to be the first time that Ed found out about Lawrence Taylor's Super Bowl ring from Danny. Yes, there. I mean, besides they had Lawrence Taylor and wanted to fit him in somehow, it really had no impact or connection to the rest of the episode. Like it didn't,
1: none whatsoever.
0: Didn't matter at all.
1: The only thing I, I can think of is maybe it was a, for the viewer, a more visceral consequence to the 10 a.m. deadline coming and going. Mm. You know, Brad and the the only other property that we know, belonging to the only other person that we know, that guy already knows it's gone.
0: And it's not his.
1: Right. So 10 o'clock comes and goes. What is the consequence for the viewer?
0: That, okay. I like that. That makes sense.
1: Up in her suite, Jordan gets a phone call confirming that Brad's DNA is not a match for whatever was recovered at the crime scene, which seemingly vindicates them once and for all. And she takes this call while not only tucking into the macadamia nuts that she mentioned earlier with Mary, when Mary gave her carte blanche to raid the minibar, but also the small bottle of Cristal. Jordan's dollar per item efficiency is off the charts.
0: I, hey, if somebody gives you comp minibar access, you go hard or you go home, and Jordan is not messing around.
1: Well, and what I like here is instead of doing what um, what Sam's was it half brother or, or full brother did, where it was like Bobby. pulled out everything Bobby from the full, like pulled everything out, which seems
0: gluttonous. Jordan's gonna be like, I had two things. Little medical examiner. I don't know how much any of these things cost. I was just like, ooh, some nuts and some champagne. That sounds fun. Well,
1: it's like I wasn't being gluttonous. I just had a snack and something to wash it down with. Come on. Relax. Who could be mad? Right. Well, I'm mad because painfully related to this is Mike creeping around in the hallway, checking under and around the room service cart for the rat, looking under the metal dome over the food, but not on the floor, you know, where the rats crawl around. God damn it. I'm just, I'm inexplicably angry at this episode, but especially at Mike. It's...
0: The rat stuff is rough. It's it's not ideal. I- Suboptimal rat play. Indeed. Mike is going to, as you mentioned, just sort of dig around this person's leftovers, look like he is scamming food, when Jordan is going to hear all this going on outside her room and come out and see Mike forging like an animal through this room service cart, unable to see the rat that is right below him.
1: But certainly... Having been caught fucking room service cart surfing for leftovers, this will be the end of any romantic attraction between Jordan and Mike, right? No, inexplicably, Jordan is still going to invite him in for a drink. The guy was about to chow down on a half eaten pork chop that was left outside a room. Do not invite that guy into your
0: room. No. (laughs) You have caught a predator. That doesn't feel like something that needs to be said, but apparently it does in this instance. Holy shit. As this is somehow going on inexplicably, Mike tries to feign off and then decides, eh, you know what the hell, one drink won't hurt. And is going to join Jordan in her suite, as well as tiny Lulu sneaking in the door right behind him. Because, you know, hijinks. Now it's a
1: threesome. Hey, yo. Mary approaches Brad, who is still at the bar. Or back at the bar, but just drinking the same kind of beer again. And she's got the borrowed violin that Danny promised. Brad, rightfully and understandably, has decided to 86 the audition tomorrow, citing a failure to concentrate because, you know, his brother died, was murdered, and his violin was stolen. But Barry never won to leave a awkward situation alone. Guilt trips him with, hey, don't you think your murdered brother would have wanted you to try... <laughs>
0: I mean, logic like that. How could how could you not?
1: And anyway, here's this violin I borrowed that I'm going to leave with a stranger at a bar with the case open.
0: Oh, you boy. Do not like. Well, I've got good news for you, Judson. We're going to leave the bar.
1: Yay. I've
0: got some bad news, Judson. We're going back to Jordan's room with Mike and Jordan. No. Even after being caught forging like some kind of crazy person in the dining hall carts, shirt all asunder, looking like an idiot. Mike is somehow charming his way through this and doing great with Jordan. Lots of flirting. Is modeling the bathrobe over her regular clothes. But hey, she's doing it so well that Mike tells her to take the robe with her when she leaves. But like, talk me through the order of operations.
1: She's not wearing the robe. She goes out in the hall, brings this fucking somewhat well-dressed homeless man into her room and then says here open the champagne while i go put this
0: bathroom on over my clothes let me slip into something a little more comfortable and just puts the robe over the clothes (laughs) like that's not how that idiom works you moron she she's a medical doctor not a seductress judson oh my god Anyway, their flirting seems to be going well until Mike sees the rat over Jordan's shoulder and gets a crazed look in his eyes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Which Jordan rightfully is like, "Uh, I think this is a compliment that you look mad horny, but also I'm a little bit creeped out. <laughs> Get you someone that looks at you the way Mike looks at this fucking rat. I, I'd rather not, thank you. I did not like that look at all." But the rat is going to jump on Jordan and she's just going to chuck the fucking thing against the wall, I guess, snapping its neck instantly. The rat is dead. And so is Mike's boner.
1: And by the way, that is how you should respond to a rat jumping on you is freaking out and throwing it off your body. Correct. Look, am I am I happy that the rat's dead? No. Do I care that the rat's dead? Also, no. Like if the rat just fucks off. Now, look, if it's my house. That rat's fucking dead. <laughs> there like, it is. There it in, a is. Ho- okay. in a hotel. Like I'm leaving. Uh, but if it's out of here, if it's your hotel room, well, I'm, that's my point. I'm fucking out of here. So like, I don't need to kill the rat. Like I feel I'm like am fucking would, gone.
0: I feel like you would still want to kill the rat.
1: No, I think I'm, I'm. I'm. I am in the moment, so creeped out and startled that, you're just that I'm like getting
0: the fuck out of dodge.
1: Yeah, I don't. I honestly would not be able to process that the rat was dead if not for the fact that the aforementioned homeless man I invited into my room scoops it up in a trash can and walks out rescinding my bathrobe
0: offer. Another romance on this show snuffed out before it could truly get going. Like the rat. (laughs) We travel now to a lovely auction for high priced musical instruments. And other bullshit. And other bullshit. On the block is a piano that once belonged to Liberace that Danny seems unimpressed with, while the rest of the crowd is going to be very unimpressed with his seductive ringtone. The look
1: of love is in your eyes. There it is. Amazing you are- I don't know the rest of the words, and honestly, I wasn't sure that those were the words.
0: Uh, You were pretty close, I think. But yeah, everyone's going to be very angry as he scurries out to talk to Delinda, who has a very urgent problem. The mattress but real quick.
1: How funny was it that as the phone's ringing, big Ed's like it's this guy, this fuck, this dude, this fucking guy right here, this motherfucker. Right after telling daddy, oh, she's got you whipped, huh? You bitch.
0: That was the uh, the first of two things that I believe were unscripted, but stuck in because they were very funny.
1: That was a Jimmy Conn special. No doubt about it.
0: And it was it was a very good bit by our our dear departed friend. But yeah, apparently Danny's mattress is now no longer sufficient for Delinda. And Danny's response is, fuck it, whatever. I, okay, get a new mattress. I don't care. I, I'm i very busy. I'm doing a lot of things. Emergency
1: does not mean what you think it means. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that part was lame. We get a very fun scene, I think, between Ed and Dino Machi, the,
1: let's. Put, I can't believe that you are going to gloss right over the fact that that scene got us Delinda jumping up and down on a bed in her underwear.
0: I mean, I, I've tried to not be horny on Maine during the recaps, but yeah, no, that part was very good. I did enjoy that.
1: I, if, if that is your goal, I do not think you've been particularly good at that. But if this is like you turning over a new leaf, I will support you in this endeavor.
0: I think we both know that very little of this I've been good at throughout the run of things.
1: You're a lot like Mike looking for that rat. Just stumbling around, and when the chokes fall at your feet dead, you pick them up and you walk out with them.
0: You know, sometimes you just wait for him to fall in your lap. We get a fun scene with Ed and our illustrious fence, Dino Machi at the piano. And Dino's all happy because he just bought the piano for some member of the Imperial family in Japan. And Ed says, hey, that's great. I got, I got an interesting little... Item I'm looking for, too. Need one of them Stradivariuses that's floating around. Just heard one from Lisbon happens to be in the area. Dino goes, oh, no, that belongs to Oliver Kern, the famous Boston First Chair Pops violinist that everybody knows offhand. You know, Ollie Kern. Come on. Ed says, well, of course, everybody knows of Mr. Kern. However, what you apparently don't know is, well, that that violin just disappeared. And also, he's dead. And also, a very important championship sports ring got lost somehow. I don't—surely, that's not a thing. Dino, feeling Ed's hand on his neck, realizing that everybody in the room knows what's going on, says, oh, it wouldn't happen to be a Super Bowl '21 ring hoping that maybe there was a different title ring that got stolen. But nah, bingo. That's the one.
1: Jordan and Woody storm out of the casino, bitching and moaning about their respective failed romances. They're unnecessarily rude to marry on their way out for seemingly no reason. And I would hesitate to even mention this throwaway scene, except I'm pretty sure it's a series wrap for Jill Hennessy. So I thought we would bid them both, even though we'll see Woody here for a little minute here at the end of the episode, but that we'd bid them both adieu and comment on their time with us at large. I actually like your Crossing Jordan crossovers. Bye. <laughs> uh, I in, thought jo- Jordan was mostly pleasant to be around. Yeah. And generally advanced the plot in a very efficient way, which I have a lot of respect
0: for. This, this was a rare L of an Ep where she is concerned. And obviously, it's hard for us to really rate it since we've never watched the first half of any of the crossover episodes. But Jordan always seemed fine. Uh, Woody, Woody's roguish tendencies tended to wear after a while. And I, if I recall correctly, had worn completely thin for you in the last step. And he, he vacillated
1: between like really irritating and like kind of like pretty funny. Yeah. Um. And we do have repeated viewings of Sam in various states of undress to credit him for. So there's that all in. I think we'll miss our. Distinguished Bostonians, but this episode—don't let the door hit you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think this was easily the worst of the crossovers,
1: not even close. And I hope they make him take Southwest back. <laughs> you are now free to move about the country. Ed is continuing to negotiate for Dino's cooperation by threatening to destroy the recently purchased Liberace piano. Ed finally, the fence collapses. It's like, hey, I'm not going to be able to help you very much. They called me. I'm basically going to put together a quote for him. They're going to call me back tomorrow night and I can, you know, let you know then. And we know that's not going to work. It's half a day past his, uh, past Big Ed's deadline. But Dino didn't hear the name Charlie thrown around.
0: So maybe that's enough to go on. Would have to get real lucky to have just one Charlie possibly involved. And yet somehow, some way. Wouldn't you know. (laughs) Back in... Danny's office, he's trying to, I guess, just slowly scroll down an Excel spreadsheet of names with Ed of everybody that was involved in the construction and renovation last year, trying to find a Charlie. When Mike walks in with his little tiny rat coffin and says, just do a search, dipshit. You should know how to do this by now.
1: And Mike is 100% correct about the Excel search. But my guy, you're carrying around a dead rat. I get that the woman wants you to fucking mail her prize rat back to her and you're going that extra mile for a whale, but you don't need to be carrying it. You take that shit immediately to the UPS store.
0: Also, I've got to ask, where did Mike get the bespoke rat coffin? Well, I think you know
1: that Mike dabbles in a little bit of woodworking. He's uh, he read the episode of Fine Woodworking on the Shitter that describes pet coffins. And, you know, he whipped up a small collection in various sizes. You know, he's got all the way from uh, from like gerbil up to labradoodle. So, you know, you let let Mike know what
0: you need. Always good to have a hobby, I guess. But good news. Danny slowly pecks his way through a search column to find that there is one Charlie and puts her up on screen with the only thing jumping to Danny's mind of the fact that, well, she's hot. And we now come to our second seemingly unscripted joke, as far as I'm concerned, when Ed says, huh, Jordan was right. She's a skirt. (laughs) Which Danny and Mike then pop off with a dame abroad that felt like it was uh, them having their own little bit of fun that I thoroughly enjoyed. I didn't get why Mike said that she was abroad
1: when she's clearly in Las Vegas. Boo. (laughs) Go
0: to hell. Here I am. Trying to have a nice time with a friend was handed a loaded gun that I've yet to use and have honestly been trying not to. And you come at me on this day.
1: I mean, I'm the I'm the fucking wolf and the scorpion, or whatever that parable is. Like I'm I'm gonna (laughs) I'm guns to sting you.
0: (laughs) Uh, You were either looking for the frog and the scorpion, or the lion and the snake. Probably the frog and the scorpion. Yeah, I'm guns to sting you. It's just, it's my nature.
1: I know it's gonna kill me too, but you know, scorpion's gonna scorp.
0: Because because you're a snake, you stupid son of a bitch.
1: At any rate, it's early the next morning, and Delinda is taking the trash out, and by that I mean most of Danny's worldly possessions, including the recliner. And Danny and Ed are gonna take the trash out in the form of our female thief, who is playing the stolen merchandise horribly. While wearing LT's Super Bowl ring on a chain around her neck,
0: hey! If you've got all this sweet shit that you've stolen that you're only going to have for like 48 hours, I applaud the ability to enjoy it. Why not have some fun?
1: Except if something happens to that merch, you're out a lot of money.
0: I mean, she's not doing anything crazy with it.
1: The way she was playing that violin, though, oof, oof aloof.
0: I, I mean, she's, I mean, the money's
1: not in the strings, but Jesus,
0: she's she's no fiddler. That's that's for certain.
1: Well, yeah, she was inside the building, not on the roof. I fucking hate I, it. I don't even know why I I just I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're I'm a, sorry. You're a bad person.
0: Scorpion's going to score. You came with it very quickly, though. I'll give you that. Like, I almost it's feel just, like you had that ready to go in case someone no. said fiddler. But no, it's like as it's coming out, I'm like, no, don't do <laughs> it. Oh, no. Scorpion's going to score. Yeah. But as Charlie's being read the riot act by them, she's just pissed off to find out who could have possibly flipped on her. When Ed gets a call and mentions the name Brad and she goes, "Brad, that son of a bitch. I should have known I couldn't trust him." Oopsies.
1: Smash cut back to the hotel and Brad's leaving, allegedly for his audition and Danny and Woody approach him from behind and break the good news. "Hey, bud. That Stradivarius? It's been recovered. How about that? But also we've got some bad news and that's that Lenny the guy who you hired to steal the Stradivarius from your brother left some DNA behind when he killed Oliver. Mm. So whoops, kind of a
0: kind of a net neutral, I'd say. Maybe it's tad negative because you are gonna miss the audition still.
1: Yeah. Uh, and through a long and drawn out and kind of winding admission of guilt, we learned that Brad hired Lenny to steal the violin. Oliver basically didn't have it or wouldn't give it up or something. So Brad instead hatched a different plan. He was going to borrow the violin from Oliver and then have his old pal Charlie connection undefined steal it from the safe deposit boxes that she was already planning to rob. Mm -hmm. So he was just going to sweeten the deal. But then Lenny was pissed off and wanted his cut. So went back to demand the violin from Oliver who now for real, for real, didn't have it. And so Lenny murked him. Yeah. So so Brad actually didn't lie during the polygraph. It just turns out you shouldn't only ask three questions during a polygraph.
0: Yeah, it turns out Woody's just a very bad detective, actually.
1: Which I think we know.
0: Yeah, we we had a hunch at least. But the gig's up, Brad's going upstate, and now it's time to get down to what's really important.
1: Real quick, I've got a lawyer question for you. Okay. is the And I understand you're not a criminal defense attorney, but is the fact that Woody arrested despite big, you know... 32 states away from his jurisdiction, going to be a problem?
0: Probably not, based on, again, my understanding. It is part of an ongoing investigation, and the whole jurisdiction thing is once he pretty much confessed, when they, like, they spilled out the whole plot, and Brad went, yeah, I did it. That confession is, well, I, I don't need to be in my house to uh, slap the cuffs on when you admit to being a conspirator to murder.
1: Fair enough. So it's just going to be a jurisdictional pissing contest if Metro ever finds out, but like Brad's not going to walk on a technicality. No, probably not.
0: And the the technicality that could have gotten him off would be had any of it come out of the interrogation and you get into the whole fruit of a poisonous tree. But since they didn't actually get anything from that and it came from all these other sources and then he confessed. Yeah, it's uh, it's not going to go great for old uh, Bradford. It doesn't seem
1: fair enough. and. That does bring us to this episode's denouement, and I interrupted you. So please proceed.
0: No, it's it's time for what's really important. Lawrence Taylor fucking loves him some syrup on pancakes.
1: Yeah, fucking. I didn't know that he and Sam both have diabetes,
0: but they do. Sam and Lawrence are enjoying a lovely breakfast of pancakes. Where Sam, I guess, told LT that he that she, they got his ring back. No, 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 no. My read is
1: everyone but Brad doesn't know that the, th- that the crime happened. And she's just like, hey, I went and got your ring for you out of the box. Uh. And he's like, oh, I want to thank you for bringing my ring. I didn't know y'all could do that.
0: It's all about customer service.
1: I'm like, yeah, LT, because they shouldn't be able to.
0: I totally misread that. OK, that that makes a lot more sense. then.
1: In fairness to him, he played before there was such a thing as the concussion protocol, because <laughs> Jesus. An episode of Dumb, Dumb People.
0: It's pretty dumb. He, uh, he played when them helmets were soft, as <laughs> some have said. But uh, yeah, Sam empties out, is, is ready to put an entire thing of syrup on her pancakes. When LT cuts her off about halfway, goes, yo, I'm going to need that over here, sweetheart, and make sure to finish the job. They're, I mean, they looked like very big pancakes, so I understand the need for a lot of syrup. But that was a lot of syrup.
1: Also, like, he made the best out of a bad situation but like sam reluctantly hands him the syrup in a very awkward way so he has to take it like grab it from the the sticky side where the syrup's going to dribble <laughs> down the front and then like use his other hand to plunge it down and sort of like you know back twist his wrist to dump the whole thing out which to me scanned like how it would happen if I wanted more syrup and you took the syrup from me? Yeah, I'm, gonna, like, I'm not going to turn around and hand
0: you the handle. Yeah. Fuck you. Enjoy your enjoy out. your sticky hand for the next half an hour, you dick. <laughs> yeah. Here's an idea. Second thing is syrup, y'all. I was I was going to say, Sam, you're pretty high up there. I feel like you could get a whole lot more syrup on that table if you wanted it. But again, none of this has shit to do with anything. It didn't matter. <laughs> no
1: i think so when we were talking to gst he was saying like people like writers wanted to get people on the show and people wanted to just be on the show yeah this this to me smacks of one of those where i was like yeah fuck it and you know what i'm glad they didn't like shoehorn in some dumb bullshit of like oh he's here for a you know, convention, signing autographs. Like, no, my boy just likes to throw but throw some dice. Like,
0: Yeah, no, it was a great, It, it I think you're exactly right that Lawrence Taylor sh- liked the show and showed up and was like, yo, let me get in on this. And they were like, well, we already have expensive shit getting stolen. Yeah, okay, got it, bet, we got you.
1: How do you feel about dice and pancakes? And LT's like, love them both, let's go. I mean, for as much as you don't like the guy, he's got good taste. Again, Only because he played for the Giants. Hey,
0: I think, you know, if anyone can respect that, it's me.
1: If he had not played for an NFC East rival or the early 90s, 49ers would not care.
0: That's fair. A man of principle.
1: Throw this motherfucker on the Dolphins. Sure. Love him. Ten to ten. No notes. As it is. Fuck you, LT. If only he had been a Miami shark
0: his entire career. (laughs) Our listeners can't see it, but doing the shark dance And, and doing it very well. We messed up my sheets. but wife comes back on Tuesday. Tell me I won't spill a drop. Hey, no semen, no blood. As this syrup battle is finishing up, we get this absolutely bizarre shot of Ed.
1: Totally bonkers.
0: Fumbling around for his phone. It, when it first happened, I thought that Ed saw Sam notice him and was trying to pretend like he was busy. So he fumbled for his phone and then fake answered. But then seemingly did actually answer, and it was Jillian, and he said, sorry, honey, I'll be right there. And that was it.
1: And why, if Sam had seen him, would he want to get away? Like, Big Ed famously glad hands important people. Like, you think he's not going to go over to the table and be like, LT, how are we doing? Great looking ring. What yeah. About these pancakes, huh? Can I get you another
0: thing of syrup? Okay, I'm out. I honestly was like, did did Big Ed have a stroke? Uh, it was it made no sense. We aren't gonna get anything out of it this episode. We'll have to put a pin in it to see if there's a callback to next episode, but I don't remember there being one. I think this is just fucking weird.
1: And you and I are famously good at remembering these things, one episode to the next, so I'm sure we won't forget.
0: Probably not knowing us? No. No you know, it took us
1: like eight episodes to
0: come up with a cozy hashtag. I'm sure we'll get this one in one. I mean, Again. We started advertising Las Vegas being on cozy before they did. So,
1: but our final moment, we got a call back to the look of love, starts wafting over the entire episode, and we find ourselves at the scene of what we can only hope is the episode's final crime. That is Danny returning home to find breakfast, a lingerie-wearing Dolinda, his missing recliner, his missing clothes, and a brand new mattress, which he passes out on directly, foregoing sex with Dolinda. Forget moving in. They skipped straight ahead to being married. <laughs> Look at that.
0: Like multiple years in.
1: Danny, oof Just also, how long do we think those
0: scrambled eggs were sitting there getting cold and rubbery? It does seem like they might have been there a minute. I, it's, I think it's fitting that both of them went to a piece of bacon and not the eggs. Yeah. And then shut it down. Yeah. I guess I'll start this time. Judson.
1: Nope.
0: <laughs> I think that's about how that was going to go.
1: Uh, it's the weakest of the Crossy Jordan crossovers. There was basically no casinoing, which is my favorite. The scantily clad Delinda was great. And I'll say, I think Mary has redeemed herself from the depths of the Danny Delinda drama. But ultimately, you have to decide, is Ed's robbery investigation enough to look the other way on Mike's bullshit, Jordan's bullshit, all that nonsense? And I got to say, no, it's not. I didn't like it. Now. I did not hate it as much as it sounds like I thought it was perfectly fine. It was fun. But like having it was another one where like having to take notes on the episode sucked all the fun out of it. Sure.
0: What about you? I I think I agree with pretty much all that. I think I liked it more than you did. Um, I didn't I don't think that I hated the mic bits to the degree that you did, though. I will fully agree they were bad and stupid. Uh, and I completely agree that it was the weakest of the. Jordan crossovers, but I enjoyed bits and pieces of it. I really liked pretty much everything Ed was a part of was a good time. And there was a lot of Ed in this episode. So not not our best, I'd say, probably a lower point of the season. But it, as you mentioned, I think the real silver lining here is that it feels like we're out of the woods of the bad, bad Mary stuff.
1: Yeah, and I think if Ed's robbery investigation hadn't just all fucking literally fallen into his lap. Yeah, it might. But like every time they had a meaningful lead, it got shot down until the name Charlie. And it's like, come the fuck on. Like, really? <laughs> and then they get lucky that they happen to be in the presence of her when Danny takes the call from Woody and says, yeah, Brad Kern's back at the casino. Why? What do you need? And she f- and she's like, that motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. Like, God damn. And everyone's just so stupid throughout, so That's I don't know
0: it, the the such a painfully low level of baseline competence for the crew is, I think, what always hurts it as a whole.
1: which brings us to our next topic of conversation. Let's talk chipling as a reminder, Danny was on a back- to back, followed by Delinda, Ed, Mike, Sam, the chasm, Mary, and the second chasm in the pen. What do you got for me i I'm flipping D and Danny hundred percent.
0: I think Danny was kind of a dummy and Delinda pretty much sniped his luxurious condo out from under him. I'm all. Almost- a- and was going
1: to soften the blow with some morning sex, which he was too tired to partake in. So Delinda got exactly what she wanted and it cost her literally nothing.
0: I mean, I think Delinda is very outspoken as enjoying the morning sex, too. So that was probably a sad thing for her. But
1: yeah, but like he's been up for like 36 hours. He's not had a shower and mini bottle of Chris like, uh, probably, probably not going to be peak performance. Here's how you know they're not married. She didn't kick his ass out of that brand new bed, but be like, go shower. You <laughs> fucking animal.
0: Uh, my only, I, part of me wants to jump Ed over Danny too, but I don't think it was that bad. So I think I'd probably uh, yeah, leave it there.
1: I agree. It's not a first or third performance, especially cause Ed got lucky. Yeah. And, pulled this rabbit out of his hat that only just got him back to even. So, yeah, I don't see him picking up chips.
0: My only other, because I must have had it wrong in my notes last time, I already had Sam above Mike, but I'm definitely putting Sam above Mike now.
1: Uh, Regardless of how it was, because I also could be wrong. I agree. Sam is ahead of Mike. I think the Mike or I think uh, the chasm moves ahead of Mike. I don't hate that. And I got to be honest, I think Mary is right
0: on Mike's heels she's she's closing she she was a good friend at times and did not go obnoxiously off the handle at the snapping which is the first thing she would have had reason to actually be mad at somebody for in a long time
1: so ultimately we've got the second place danny then ed then sam then the chasm mike right on his heels is mary but your new chip leader Congratulations, Delinda Deline. You did it. Bing. We didn't really spend much time in the High Limit pit, so no idea if Big Willie was there,
0: but any chance we'll see him next time? Well, Judson, next time on Pod at the Montecito, Delinda's Box. Stakes are high, and time is of the essence. When Delinda is kidnapped, and Ed is unable to say a word to anyone because he's hooked up to an explosive ankle device. What bro? This one, if I recall correctly, is a fucking
1: banger. Hopefully not literally. You tune in next time.
0: I think this is a two-parter, isn't it? See, I thought it was, but the next episode's back-of-the-box recap did not make it look like it was.
1: Well, I guess we'll find out, but either way, I I agree with you. My recollection is strong to quite strong of an episode or two and certainly a nice palate cleanser after this incompetent garbage fire.
0: Yeah, we we are definitely rising far above the mid that we had here. These are the ashes from
1: which the phoenix of Delinda's box can rise. (laughs) Teehee. Well, thank you everyone for joining us on yet another one of these insane adventures that we've taken you on. If you liked the show. Trust me, I don't know why you would, but if you like this show, <laughs> think about giving us a five star review. Tell a friend about us or not. It does really matter. If you haven't done it at this point, honestly, you're probably not going to. Yeah, maybe you're new. Clock's ticking. Yeah. We're, we're we're not yet to the point where we're going to start counting down, but we're getting close. So hope y'all are uh, strapped in for this. But uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can hit us up on Twitter at MontecitoPod. Use the hashtags Las Vegas4Peacock or get cozy with Las Vegas. That sounds right. I think that's what we want. So something about cozy, cozy Vegas. I don't know. Check the show notes. It'll be correct there. You can email us. pot at the Montecito at Gmail Eddie Mac. Letters. Curlies. You know who you shouldn't tweet at or email? That's James LeSure. Don't do it. William Malone. Mike's an idiot. James LeSure is not. Do we know if his character on The Rookie Fed is an idiot also
0: and or went to MIT? I know nothing about the rookie verse, except that And, James nor, and I, I won't
1: find out. <laughs> uh, so listeners, if you're watching the rookie fed, drop us a line. Let us know how James is doing over there. We hope well. We hope for nothing but the best for James. Sure. Just not Mike. In the meantime, I've been Judd, He's been Ed. And this has been Pod at the Montecito. Yes.